Denizens of the Night. Welcome to another episode of the Macabre, the Terrifying. Broadcasting live from an abandoned maintenance shed, I will be your guide through the witching hours. In tonight's story, a young man and his date find more than they bargained for in the woods. You might think it's safe to walk trails within your city limits, but there are old things that still live among the trees, and even in the city, some trails lead to dark and deep places. Tonight's story is from Riley Molesky and is called Never Go Into White Run Ravine After Dark. I live alone in a small apartment at the top of White Rock Ravine. It was a miracle, really, as a couch-surfing undergrad student to find an affordable apartment in one of the nicest neighborhoods in the city. The view of the sprawling river valley and ravine that wrapped around the area was only blocked by a row of mansions lining the cliffside. It was my city's biggest claim to fame. Miles and miles of bike trails and hiking paths running through the city like a massive ant colony. My favorite one was the gravel trail through the neighboring ravine. The mouth of the ravine began at a riverside campground and park. The entrance of the trail, an old wood bridge crossing a rocky creek that snaked its way into the trees. I often went jogging through this trail in the mornings, indulging in the crunch of leaves under my foot and the soft chatter of birds and squirrels above. The ravine stretched deep into the city, and the walkable trail fizzled out after a while. Massive cliffs marked the edges of the ravine, hardly visible over the trees. My jogs usually ended around an old gas pipeline bridge, an old rusted thing that spanned the ravine. Here, I would take a rest on the hillside below it, making the moment last as long as I could before heading back towards the parking lot. The city that was built around the ravine felt much more bleak. I'd moved out of my father's house shortly after coming out as bi, hoping to find more freedom to express myself on my own. Living off of student loans and odd jobs, my social life mainly consisted of smoking joints down by the river with some friends from Muni or going on long walks exploring the local trails. Around the time I first moved into my new apartment, I'd been using online dating to meet guys around the city. It was a rarely successful endeavor, but I persisted. After some time, I matched with a cute red-headed boy, who I'll refer to as Ben. Ben was a quiet and timid arts student, a nice departure from some of the more forward men I'd met online. After a week of back-and-forth messages, we agreed to meet for a coffee date that weekend. Come Sunday evening that week, I slipped on a denim jacket and nervously headed out to a small coffee shop on campus. By the time I got there, he was already waiting for me at a table. I was not the most confident guy, but after buying me a coffee and laughing at some of my awkward attempts at puns, I began to relax with him. He was a funny, kind guy, and I felt as though I could talk with him about anything immediately. 
After a few hours of lively conversation, we both became aware of the café becoming quieter and the sun outside the window creeping below the horizon. Not wanting the date to end yet, I panicked to think of something to do this late on a Sunday. Noticing a couple of stars shining through the city's haze, I thought of how amazing the view must be from the ravine, far from the intruding lights. Asking a hesitant Ben to trust me, we headed out of the cafe and off in my truck. Just off one of the main roads through the valley, a pair of long decommissioned wood gates opened onto the gravel road of White Rock Park. The road weaved through picnic sites and overgrown trees, sparsely lit by a handful of streetlights. The road eventually stopped at a small parking lot in front of a wall of trees in the old wood bridge. As I pulled into the parking lot, I noticed an old white car parked there already. A few meters away, four high school-age kids sat around a fire pit. The group watched us pull into a spot close by, and I saw one of the boys wave to us. Ben scanned the tree line in front of us, completely oblivious, seeming more on edge than before. Where is this? he asked with some curiosity. I explained to him how I lived close by and would often jog the trail. Exiting the truck, the stars certainly seemed more vibrant in the sky than before, though I couldn't help but feel annoyed at the whispers and occasional glances from the group of teens nearby. I had hoped we would have the place to ourselves at this time of night. Ben shuffled uncomfortably behind me, and in a last attempt to recapture the moment, I made an offer. There's a spot inside the trail, actually, over by the old pipeline bridge. It's got some killer views if you wanted to check it out. Ben raised his eyebrow. You want to go in there? It's nearly midnight. You're not going to be able to see shit in there. He laughed, a little relieved. Why not? We can use my phone as a flashlight if you're scared, I teased. Plus, it'll give us a chance to try this. As I revealed a joint I had concealed in my coat pocket. Ben smirked and followed my lead as I crossed the wood bridge, the flickering of the fire and the teens' voices becoming muffled as we passed into the trees. I had never been in the ravine at night, and I had to admit it was creepy. I wasn't worried about wildlife, as nothing bigger than a rabbit usually came this close to the city. But the darkness seemed to swallow them whole. The flashlight barely penetrated the darkness, only showing a few meters ahead of us at a time. Ben held my hand, and I could tell he was feeling a bit paranoid from the weed. His eyes flicked between every sound rustling through the branches, and his grip on my hand began to become painful. After about fifteen minutes, we reached a fork in the path. I knew from previous explorations that the path to the right was a dead end. The creek at some point had washed out the trail just past the pipeline. The left one continued deeper into the forest and was where I was attempting to lead us. I squeezed Ben's hand in excitement, momentarily startling him. We're almost there. It's just a little ways further. While Ben still seemed apprehensive, he nodded back at me anyways. Our eyes had adjusted to the dark surroundings, 
and there was no doubt the ravine was somewhat peaceful at night. Moonlight danced across our faces, peeking through the branches above us. Ben kicked at the gravel every few steps, smiling to himself. I mean, it is kind of. Ben started before tripping over a large root on the path. I couldn't help but snort with laughter as he clutched at my arm, regaining his balance. That's it. Let's go back. This is stupid. Ben pulled away from me, and I momentarily worried I'd pushed it too far. I was ready to admit defeat and turn back when I noticed Ben was still stopped in the path in the midst of brushing himself off, staring over my shoulder. You good, man? I asked before he brushed past me. I followed his gaze to see a break in the trees ahead, the path sloping down towards the creek. The clearing was deep into the ravine, the last bridge over the creek before the pipeline. The creek was shallow here, leaving a swampy mess of mud that spanned across the ravine. Any trees that had grown here had long fallen into the murky water in front of us. Unlike the other crossings, this bridge was an older walkway, the rotting planks sinking beneath every step, mud oozing between the cracks like pus. Ben took no notice of this, stepping out onto the bridge, staring in awe at the sky above. The walls of stone and trees on either side gave the effect of being the size of an ant, gazing up at a sky that felt impossibly far above. I walked up beside him, leaning on the railing. He moved closer to me, still staring at the stars dotting the sky above. I held my breath as I felt his back rest against my chest, realizing this was the closest we'd been to each other all night. It's beautiful out here, Ben whispered. I smiled, placing my arm around his waist. This isn't even the best part. Come on. The spot is just around the next curve. Look! I pointed up above the tree line, the red stripe of the pipeline now visible ahead. Ben relaxed again, and together we crossed the bridge, moving back into the darkness of the trees. Sure enough, coming around the end of the bend in the path revealed the massive concrete podium sunken into the ground. The twisted metal structure that grew from it could have camouflaged in the trees if not for its distinct red, rusted color. The structure must have been almost twenty stories tall, the pipeline looming above our heads. The hillside next to the tower had had its trees cleared at some point for maintenance, and it was this spot that I had in mind. Here, there's a bit of a path here. Make sure to step where I step, I instructed, leading Ben up the side of the steep slope. About halfway up the hillside, it became too difficult to climb any further up, and I found a flat enough spot in the grass to sit in. Ben lowered himself down beside me, gazing out at the view ahead of him. From our position, we could look down over some of the shorter trees, seeing the creek wash under the bridge and into the dark trees beyond. Directly across from us was the other end of the bridge, the trees around a second tower on the other side of the ravine also missing. To the left of the clearing, I could see where the trail had collapsed into the creek bed. Above us, a full moon shone down, 
and at last we could see the entirety of the night sky above. Ben leaned back into the grass, and I followed. The sky above was full of twinkling stars, the vastness of space above us instantly taking my breath away. I felt the world around me melt away, the isolation and silence pressing in on me, suddenly feeling miles away from any form of civilization. Hey, Ben nudged me. You got a light for that, then? I snapped back to the ravine, looking back at Ben, who gestured towards my pocket. I had completely forgotten about the joint in my coat. <laughs> yeah, right. I pulled a black lighter out from my other pocket, fumbling to light the slightly crushed joint. Ben took it from my fingers, taking a long drag from it and falling back onto the grass. I leaned back to join him again. The cold of the night and the damp grass seemed to finally become noticeable, and Ben pulled himself closer to my body. I looked into his hazy green eyes, seeing him focus back on mine. I didn't want to move too fast on the first date, but at this point we were in the middle of a forest stargazing anyways, so why not? I leaned forward and kissed him. Ben pulled back after a moment, flushing red. Ah, oh, shit, it went out, Ben stuttered, looking down at the now extinguished joint in his hand. I felt myself get warm with embarrassment and sat up, reaching back into my pocket for the lighter. It was at this moment something across the ravine caught my eye. A bright red light glared between the trees, emanating from the clearing across from us. It took my eyes a moment to adjust to the new source of light before realizing what I was looking at. A circle of fire had been lit on the hillside, a perfect circle of at least six-foot-tall flames. I felt my breath catch in my throat, not moving. What are you? Ben sat up next to me, stopping when he saw the fire. What the fuck is that? I didn't answer. Every muscle in my body had seized up at once. Everything about this felt wrong. The only way a fire would have started in the middle of the ravine was if it was started by someone else. There was no way it was a coincidence that it had been lit in perfect view of us, the fire lit at a height that would create a perfect circle from our perspective. The worst realization was that the fire had to have been lit in the past couple minutes while we'd been distracted by the stars. With no other exit to the trail except the one we'd entered, it meant whoever had lit that fire was still in the ravine with us, and they knew exactly where we were. Ben, come on, we need to go. I pulled him up, the joint dropping into the grass at our feet. Ben's eyes were now wide with fear, and I practically dragged him down the hillside, slipping on loose rocks and roots. By the time we reached the path below, the flames had already begun to shrink. This is wrong, man. What do we do? We need to call someone. We need help. Ben began panicking, his breaths coming in gasps between each word. He pulled out his cell phone, fumbling to unlock it. Hey, wait, man, hold on. 
I grabbed his arm. Look, the fire's already going out. It must have been lit with gas, right? It was probably those kids from the parking lot, remember? If you call the police and they show up with us high, smoking in the middle of the forest at night, claiming we saw fire, they'll think we're the assholes who did this, right? I tried to calm him down, but I was genuinely nervous. I couldn't imagine being arrested and having to have my father bail me out, if he even would. I also wanted to believe it was okay, because the alternative was much more unsettling. Ben was clearly uncomfortable now, trembling and glancing around at every noise around us. I wrapped my arm around his waist once more and guided him back around the bend in the path, assuring him that I would get us back to the truck and take him home. I felt my own heart racing in my chest, continuously assuring myself that it was just those teens playing some weird, demented prank on us. Just as the clearing came into view again, the sound of something moving in the trees across the creek caused us to both freeze. I stared into the trees, my mouth agape, waiting for another sound to follow. Fuck this, Ben squeaked out, and suddenly turned and bolted. Wait, I yelped, stumbling to follow him, my eyes wide with terror. Ben made it almost halfway across the walkway before one of his legs dropped through a rotted plank. He let out a painful cry as the murky water swirled around him, the rest of the planks groaning under the sudden weight. Oh, fuck. I carefully crept across the bridge to him, tears welling in my eyes as panic set in. Ben's upper half lay slouched on the walkway, whimpering to himself as he tried to free his leg from the mud. I got you, man. Hold on. Don't move too much. I bit my lip, hearing the boards creaking beneath my added weight. You need to push yourself up, using the railings. I'm going to pull on your leg, all right? Ben nodded, his face streaked with tears. I grabbed hold of his thigh just above the knee, leaning back and praying the rest of the bridge would hold up. A large splash echoed out across the clearing. We both froze. It had come from the other side of the creek, where we'd heard the noise moments before. The water was too dark to make out anything, but the noise had been undeniable. Pull me up, pull me up, pull me the fuck up! Ben began to thrash, and I heard another board snap under him. I didn't hesitate, and pulled with all my strength, Ben crying out as his leg came free from the mud, missing a shoe and with a large gash where the broken board had scratched him. Ben's words were incoherent now, and I struggled to pull him upright, stepping over the hole in the bridge. I looked back at the creek, and I could swear I saw something move amongst the boulders around the bank on our side. Ben limped weakly next to me as I pulled him forward back into the trees. Adrenaline and fear pumped through me as we traversed the trail, totally blind to anything except the path in front of me. The path soon forked in two directions, and I realized we were close to the entrance again. With a new sense of relief, I pulled the still-crying Ben forward, momentarily looking back. 
I saw nothing in the darkness and turned back to the path, limping ahead. Soon after, I saw a gleam of light break through the trees ahead. The parking lot was just around the next corner. I slowed down, the adrenaline subsiding, leaving an aching pain in my shoulder from carrying Ben's weight and feeling completely drained. Ben limped over to a tree trunk at the side of the path, letting out a defeated laugh, his eyes gleaming in the new light. As I took one slow, deep breath after another, I noticed the ravine was silent for the first time that night. There was no wind in the branches, and I strained my ears, hearing no squirrels, birds, frogs. Hell, even the mosquitoes were gone. It was as if the ravine itself had stopped all at once, holding its breath for what came next. The crack of several branches snapping rang out across the path, and I watched as a massive, dark being, almost ten feet tall, took a step out of the branches of the trees directly behind Ben. He turned in awe as the towering creature paused just outside the path. In the faint light through the trees, I could see only the faintest silhouette but enough to make my heart stop. Shaggy and matted black hair covered the being. Its shape resembled a grizzly bear and a moose combined, shattered antlers emerging through tufts of hair on what I assumed was its head. It let out a snorted breath, and I felt its hot breath from below. The next thing I knew, I was running, Ben limping beside me running faster than I ever had until I heard the thumps of the last wood bridge below my feet. We emerged into the parking lot, the sound of distant traffic returning. As I searched my pockets for my keys, I couldn't help but notice that the fire pit had been long extinguished and my truck was the only remaining vehicle in the parking lot. I shoved a now catatonic Ben into the passenger seat and ran to my own door. Pulling myself in, I paused only momentarily to look back into the mouth of the trail, scanning for any movement. I half expected to see some horrid creature come bounding out, chasing us down, but there was nothing. My tires kicked up a cloud of dust as I swerved out of the parking lot and back up the road through the park. I tried to coax Ben to talk to me, but he didn't say a word. Just sat there, staring ahead, soaked in mud and blood. I dropped him off back at the now-closed cafe, and only left once I'd walked him back to his car. I didn't know what else to do. To be honest, I was in shock still, and I didn't even think of whether Ben ended up okay until long after. I never heard from Ben again. His profiles disappeared from my phone after that night, and I can't blame him. It was one of the most terrifying nights of my life, and I always regretted bringing him there. I still live in the apartment at the top of White Rock Ravine. I didn't have anywhere else to go after. I never venture onto the trails anymore. I jog through the streets of the neighborhood instead. 
I'm writing this story from my apartment right now, three years later. I just came back inside from my balcony, actually. I went out for a smoke, watching my breath drift upwards into the night, when I saw it. Between the houses across the street, the darkness in the trees moved, just for a second. I don't know what's out there, but I know this much. Don't ever go into White Rock Ravine after dark. Hmm. What do you suppose it was that came through that circle of fire? And who do you suppose called it? I should think that stepping through the veil would make one awfully hungry. And luckily for our moonlit lovers, it missed its meal. But be careful. You might not be so lucky. If you enjoyed this story, please check out the author's Instagram in the description below. Please don't forget to like this video and subscribe for more stories like this one. And whatever you do, don't fall asleep.